For those of you online, let me welcome you. It's awesome to have you here, part of our service for you guys in the building. Um, again, I think what Melanie said is true. Some, there's just nothing like being here together um, and having a, having a great time here together. We're going to jump into the last part of our You Asked For It series. And if you've missed all the other series, I encourage you to go back online. You can watch or listen to the podcast. Um, but these are topics that you chose. Through our Easter survey back in Easter of, the, of this year. And uh, today we're actually going to go to number four. But we've covered your number one was forgiveness. Hopefully now we've all dealt with for, our own forgiveness and we have moved on. The second thing you asked about was marriage. Now I'm sure after the marriage sermon, like everybody's marriage is perfect, right? Yeah. That's where a good laugh would have been good and appropriate. No, I hope, I hope that message helped you. And then last week, and I know this one's true, like all of our kids now are the perfect little angels, right? We, no issues whatsoever. We talked about parenting last week, so go listen to that. And then we're going to give you today number four. And number four shows up on the list every single year. Number four is also, um, has also been added to Four and five, as a matter of fact, um, we're right there together. So you guys just need some help <laughs> because your number four was stress. How do I handle stress? Your number five was I have anxiety. How do I deal with my anxiety? So I know just like all the other ones today, I'm going to give you this message and we're going to be no more stress, right? No, I'm lying to you. If anybody tells you that, they're lying to you. No, we're going to have to deal with stress, but I didn't realize it was this bad. I found some stats online that 44% more stress than five years ago. Most of us feel like we have that much more on top based on what we felt five years ago. One in five people, their stress is affecting their health. 60% of sicknesses and diseases have their roots in stress. And if this is number four up there behind unforgiveness, marriage, and parenting, then it may be why we are stressed out, right? See, I've come to this statement. I just summed this whole message up in, into this today. And that is that our lives are simply out of balance. And I think I can honestly come to you and share this with you today, really for Melanie and I both, if I had to pick some struggles, this is it. Stress, anxiety, drive to go further, faster, do more, and it just piles up. But if we're honest, our, our, our stress is everywhere. And the Bible actually talks a ton about stress. The stressors that are around us, so the causes are everywhere in relationships, relationship conflict, marriage. Maybe you're not married and want to be married, and that's, your, and that's your stress. Deadlines, legal problems, divorce, new job, old job, illness, parenting, others' expectations. Some of us have stress because we're, we're, we're dealing with unrepented sin or unresolved sin. But the Bible's very clear. Look what it says here in John 16, 33. It says, I've told you these things so that you may come to me and you may have what? Peace. That in this world, you will have trouble. 
So if anybody stands up and says, peace, 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 and no trouble, no trouble, no trouble, run. Because they're lying to you. Because as long as we're here on this earth until Jesus takes us out, we're going to have problems. But he says, but take part. Because all the things that mess with you in the world, I've overcome them. I overcame them through Jesus. Some of us are saying, maybe even saying, Jesus, well, you need to hurry, right? You need to hurry and get here. I don't know if you've not, you know, been under a rock for the last couple of weeks, but not watching what's going on in the Middle East, watching what's going on with Israel. It's all falling in line with what the Bible tells us. So nobody can tell you when Jesus come, but the Bible says you can know the season. And I heard a friend of mine say the other day, just like fall and the leaves change, the leaves are changing. Like it's, it's coming. And for us, that shouldn't be a scary thing. For us, it's, that's, a, that's a sense of peace. But if we're honest, we want him to come not to, not because we're looking forward to heaven, but we want him to come because we just want him to solve our problems, right? Jesus, I just need you to come because you either need to take this person beside me and take them with you or come fix my problem because one of us has got to go, right? We just want God to come solve our, our issues. We don't want really, we're not thinking about heaven or the future, Maybe you're coming to the end of this year and you're thinking, Jesus, you need to hurry up because, you know, next April 15th, I got a lot of taxes I'm going to owe. Wouldn't it be nice and like the day before you pay your taxes, the rapture happens? Wouldn't you love to see the government get all these, these empty responses because we're all out of here? But see, that, that's really kind of all we want. But the truth of the matter is good people have problems too, right? Anybody got no issues, not one issue in your life. Good, I'm glad you're not lying to me because the truth is if you raised your hand, there's your issue because you're lying. Because we all got, all got issues and we've all got stress, the things that push on us and push our buttons that God gives us this ability to overcome. Because here's what the truth is. We teach people that God made us promises. And that's true, God didn't make us promises. But he also gave us principles to live by. Are you catching that? God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to care for your family. I'm going to protect you. He made us all these promises, but at the same time, he says, and while I'm doing this, here's how you need to live. And he gave us these principles that, to live by. And the problem is we're sitting here with our hands out. God give us the promise, and he's given it to us, but we're not living by his principles. We're not following the simple things he said to do. I've, I've told uh, my kids, and I may have said it to you guys too, life is a whole lot easier when you just do what you're supposed to do, right? Stress is a whole lot less when you just do what you got to do. When you're, you know, I can remember going to school, and I still, I'm, next week actually, I will turn 49. And just weeks ago, been out of college a long time. Anybody ever had the, the midnight dream of, oh God, there's a paper due tomorrow. Oh God, I'm late for class. Oh I hadn't been in school. I left ORU, my master's, in 1999. And I still wake up like, oh, and have to, because it's, it's the things that stress us. But look what the Bible says, because the Bible says that we can overcome it, and we overcome it by following these principles. Look what Psalm 62 says. It says this. It says, let, let all that I am wait quietly. This is David writing this before God. For my hope is in him. He alone is my rock, 
my salvation, my fortress, where I'm not going to be shaken. Verse 7. He's my victory, my honor, and it comes from God alone. He's my refuge, my rock, where no enemy can reach me. Is that good? Keep going. You want more? Here we go. That my people trust him at all times. And when we pour our heart out to him, the Bible says, for God is our refuge. And then there's this word at the end. And Southerners don't try to say this. Because it's not Selah. We don't, or Selah or any other. It's, it's the term that they put in. And David, what it literally meant in the original text is, hmm. And sometimes I think we need to read this and go, okay. It just means ponder. Ponder it in your life. Ponder it being true. Ponder it being true that God is your rock your foundation, your fortress, and not the things that are stressing you out, not the things that are coming after us, not the things that are attacking us. Stressors just squeezing us. And I had this huge list, and I was going to go through all these stressors that are just common to all of us. But I'm not going to give you that list. I'm going to give you two. You think we can handle two? Do we have more than two? You better believe it. We've got more than two. But I'm, going to give you, I'm just going to give you two. Look what the Bible says here in Psalm 39. It says, you have made my life, this is David talking to God again, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. Which if you're like me, I'm sorry, I got short hand, tiny little hands. That's all you got. He said, my entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. And what he's talking about is in the span of eternity, you may live 80, you may live 100 years, but if you lay that in eternity, it's that fast. And one of the things I think that is probably one of the top two, I think I'm giving you top two today, stressors, is this four-letter word right here, time. It's time. Because it is a great equalizer. How many hours in a day? How many hours in a day? 24. How many Days in a week. How many weeks in a year? Can anybody add an extra day? Can anybody add an extra hour? Can anybody give you, even I heard a friend of mine saying, God is so precise in what we need, you can't even add a tenth of a second to the day. And time has become a thing that, and I'm telling you, this is mine. This is Melanie's. I fussed at her last night. Not that I have any room to fuss, but last night she's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and she's pounding away working on church stuff. I'm like, we have to unplug somewhere. We have to be able to get our time under control. And this one alone, I'm convinced, will help. And this phrase alone, I'm going to give you some freedom here. You cannot and you are not designed to do everything. Let me say that again. You cannot, I don't know what that, there's a, a term, literary people, that means it's an emphatic, there's no other way. You can not do everything and you weren't designed to. We need to do this. We need to do what you're designed to do. 
You need to know this. You were designed on purpose for a purpose. Some of you, if you remember when we do this, I do this series in the What's Next series, we talk about our purpose, and I show you the picture of a dump truck and show you a picture of a sports car. There are a lot of you who are great people. You're a great car. You're, you're built well, but you're a sports car. You need to stop trying to haul gravel. And then there's those of us who were just the dump trucks. We're big, bulky, and go. I can't go fast, but we can go long and strong. And you're geared to do that. And we got all these different people, and we're all trying to do different things. We're trying to, I had a friend of mine who played in a golf tournament, and they had to play the entire golf tournament. They played 18 holes with a putter. It was the most hilarious thing you've ever seen. Couldn't they do it? Yes. Was it a very efficient game? No. Were there a lot of broken putters by the time they got to the end? You better believe it. Why? It's because it's not what they were designed to do. We can't sustain these loads. We can't take on these loads and, and, um, and finish it. I don't know if TJ's not here this morning, is he? There used to be, if, if, if you're not from here, we have this hardware store, this, an Ace Hardware, and we all call it Possum Eddie. Why? Nobody knows. But in Possum Eddie, there used to be a picture of a car, and it said, don't be this guy. And it was somebody they had there years ago that had a four-door sedan, and they had a whole almost pallet of two-by-fours on top of the car with a ratchet strap. How many of you know that car didn't make it home? The roof caved in on it. Why? Because it's not made, it's not designed that way. There's a story in the Bible in the Old Testament with King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is there one day, and he's in his palace, chilling in his throne, I guess. And a hand appears. Now, again, if you've heard the story, this is where I have to go change my drawers. Because if I'm just hanging out in my house and a big hand appears, what's next is irrelevant, Right? This hand appears and starts writing on the wall these words. And nobody, all his wise men, he was putting people to death. He was bringing people in. Tell me what this means. Nobody could. And there's only one guy that could. And that was Daniel. And they bring Daniel in. And in Daniel chapter 5, verse 25, he tells him what it means. He says, this is the inscription that was written on the wall. Meany, meany, tekel. Some versions say, you parson, parson. And then he tells them what it means. He says, meaning is God has numbered the days of your reign and he's brought it to an end. Then he tells him the tekel is, and notice he says that twice, meaning, meaning, like he emphasizes it. Your days are over. He says, you've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. In other words, your scales are not balanced. They're out of whack. You're, you're coming up short, which is all of us. The only way our scales get leveled is when, when Jesus comes in. Because otherwise, your, scales, your scale is flat on the ground, God's is up high, and then the two shall never meet. And then he goes to the last word and says, Perez, your kingdom is divided, and it's going to be given to these other people. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, if we think about what we're talking about today, I'll give you this. It means for us this, number one, that your days are numbered. Right? Your, your, our days are numbered. I know that's the most uplifting thing you've heard today, right? So glad I could bring you joy and peace. You're dismissed. Let's, our days are numbered. We learned that today, right? We all have a finite time. Now, do we know what that is? No. 
but there's all this. There's one certainty in all this. We're all going to, and Jesus comes back. We're all going to die. That's a fact. Number two is that our lives are out of balance. I think God looks at our lives and says, you're stressed out because you've got everything out of balance. Your school, your work, your family, your life, your kids, it's, it's out of whack and you wondered why you're stressed. It's because you're bending and breaking in areas. You're not meant to hold that kind of load. And number three is, it's going to cost you something. What's it going to cost the king? The king's whole, his whole kingdom was going to be divided up and split among other people. So our days are numbered. Eventually, if we don't change, you will break. I remember in high school, I had a physics class, and I loved doing stuff with my hands. I still do. I'm very visually oriented, and we had to build bridges out of balsa wood. Where's my STEM teacher? There he is back there. We had to do that drill. We had to build them out of balsa wood. And we, I got to do it in this class where we had unlimited. We had a whole block of wood. Now they just give them several small pieces. So we got to build a sure enough bridge. And I can't remember how much it was, but it, we built one that spanned a table. It was like 12 inches that was literally holding 100-something pounds out of balsa wood. And the professor or the teacher got it. He just, it, it was his favorite thing to destroy those things. And so he would pile weight on, pile weight on, pile weight. Well, even no matter the best built bridge, real bridge can only hold so much. And the days are numbered if it holds more than it's supposed to for a long period of time. That it's going to cost you something. That, are, that things out of balance are stressing places on us that should not be that stressed. And it's going to cost you something when it breaks. And I remember him telling us, guys, even the best design bridge is, is going to collapse if it's not done within its limits, if it's not set up correctly, and if principles aren't followed, it's going to collapse. So it's, it's really what I'm telling you is you're going to die, your life's out of balance, and it's going to cost you something. Again, joy, joy, happy, let's be dismissed. Here's the good news, though. The Bible says we can overcome it. The Bible's very clear. Hey, I'm not going to dump on you. I'm not going to allow you to stand under more than you can handle. And some of us need to remind ourselves of that. So this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the two and, and the second one. So the first one is time, and the second one. Anybody want to guess what it is? Anybody? Anybody? Who's, what? Money. Time and money. Stress us out. Why? Because we put too much stuff trying to do it in too little time, and we need way more money than we live our lives, and then the manner in which we live our lives. Look what Timothy says this in 1 Timothy 6. It says, true godliness is with contentment itself. That's what's wealthy. This is a dirty word. You can go back to that verse. Contentment is a dirty word for us, especially in, in America. You know, I tell them the guys is me and four guys. We're all headed to Honduras tomorrow night, Tuesday morning. And it's still something you cannot explain until you see it. The contentment in somebody who, not only do they not live in America, they live in a third world country. Not only do they not have a house, they live in a, a wooden shack with a tin roof, but they are content as they can be. They love Jesus. 
that he provides for them, and they consider themselves, I don't think it would go so far to say, well, I'm wealthy, but they're content. They're not whining about the things that we whine about. Look what it goes on in verse 7. After all, we brought nothing into this world when we came, and we can't take take it with us when we leave. It's the reason you don't see a U-Haul trailer behind the hearse. You, you can't load it up. I had a friend who had a, he told me this story. He had a, a guy in his church who was extremely stingy, a, a rich, rich, rich guy, extremely stingy. And his wife always said that um, when he died, she was going to give money to church. Well, in his will, he stipulated that he wanted all his financial I don't know what the term is. All his financial stuff buried with him. He wanted to take all his riches to the grave. So at the funeral, the wife is seen laying something on his casket. The funeral home directors come in and close it. Everybody's whispering, what is it? Because everybody knew this at this point. So they have the funeral. Everybody goes out. And the pastor on the way out says, he says, what was that you put in with Mr. So-and-so? She said, I just wrote him a check. Some of you will get that. She wrote him a check for 1.2 billion, whatever dollars he was worth, and and honored his wishes. Now, if that check gets cashed, we got problems. But he can't take it with him. And we live our lives like we can take this, we got to be stressed and manage this stuff. So he goes on to say, so if we have enough food, we have enough closing, he's telling Timothy this, then be content. In verse 9, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires. That do what? They plunge them into ruin and destruction. Does this verse say anywhere that being rich or having money is wrong? No. It just says they're stressed because their priorities are out of whack. Their lives are out of balance. Then's the next verse that most of us know when we usually misquote it. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered away from the true faith and they're stabbing themselves. Again, nowhere in this does it say money is evil. Life out of balance is evil. Life with pressure and stress that's not needed is evil. Let me put this in a term that maybe we can all understand. Trying to make a, make a payment on a house or a car or an item that you couldn't afford in the first place before they come take it to you is stressful. Am I the only one? Right? It's stressful because if we don't do things in order and we spend more than we have, we buy more than we have, then it's just stress after stress after stress because our priorities are out of order. If you want to see what your priorities is, they used to say, you know, look at your checkbook, but I just put it this way now because nobody has checkbooks anymore. You just follow the money. You want to see what's important to us, to any of us, including me, where's your money going? Who gets the most and who gets the first? If you remember what we read in, in Psalm 62 when we started, Psalm 62, 5 says, yes, my soul finds rest in God and my hope comes from him. My hope is that I can live my life, I don't want to say this, I can live my life being generous, I can live my life being obedient, giving God what he's asked us to give because he's given me so much, 
I can live my life serving people, but my hope doesn't come in any of that. My hope comes from him. My, my fulfillment comes from doing what God's asked me to do. And time and money keep us so bound up, so stressed. How are we going to do this? How are we going to figure this out? Where are we supposed to do this? And some of it may be eliminating stress, maybe eliminating, eliminating or fixing those, those decisions that maybe you shouldn't have made in the first place. Jeremiah 6 says this. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. In other words, you come to a, come to a time where you need to make a decision. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I keep going and doing things like I'm doing? What do I do? And it says, and ask for the old. In other words, the old godly way. In other words, find people who've been there before. It worked for them. I still say this about my, my dad as a financial guy with doing, managing his money and his finances. He, he built in us to tithe, to be generous, to as much as you can make life about other people, not about yourself. Things we all should be teaching our kids. And for me, I stand at the crossroad and go, oh, I'm going to walk in the way that works. And here Jeremiah says, find that way and walk in it. Travel its path. And you will find rest for your souls. Then there's this big, say it with me. You said button church. It's a big old but. He says, but your answer is, no, that's not how we want to go. I don't want to go that way. And there's, um, there, I, I can just picture all of us. We're blowing by road signs. Stop, bridge out, stop, bridge out. You know, if they put signs up on the Ogeechee River Bridge for you guys going to Statesboro, how many different times does it have to say to you before you stop? The bridge is out. We, we laugh about that, but we do our lives like that every week. We just keep rolling. The bridge is out. You need to stop. You need to make a better decision, make a change. So I'm going to give you this morning... I'm going to give you some things before I do. You, you need to know this about stress and about the rest of God. It's, it takes making some decisions, but you need to understand this. Rest is not trouble-free, but grace-filled. Rest in God doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. It means he's going to give you the grace to deal with it. Because if you get up tomorrow morning and you take a breath, or you open your eyes and you're not with Jesus, and you're still on this earth, you're going to have an issue. We got issues we face, but God says, hey, I'm going to give you the grace to walk through this. You know, most of the time I give us practical stuff, and I want to do that today. I'm going to give us three practical things real quick, and then we'll get out of here for this and go enjoy this beautiful day outside. But I want to give you principles that you can decide to choose for yourself. Because I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what to do with your time and your money. I can give you suggestions. We talk about those things a lot. I'm not going to be the voice of God in your, in your heart. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. But I am going to give us principles to live by. And it will reduce your stress if you do what I'm about to give you. You will never know how to spend your time or your money and figure out stress until you do this. Until you live with a sense of purpose and urgency. Well, Clinton, that doesn't sound right. Urgency sounds like I should be stressed. I didn't say be stressed. Urgency does not cause stress. Living with no purpose 
causes stress. Not knowing how you were created. This is why we talk about it. I'm not going to go into them all, but this is why we say, know God, find freedom, discover, purpose, and... Let's try that again because y'all are all asleep. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. In there is that discover purpose. Figure out, are you a dumb truck? Are you a sports car? Or are you something in between? What, was, what did God create you to do? Because if you don't figure that out, you're going to be stressed. Time and money will always lead you to stress when they're carried in a vehicle that was not designed to carry them. Or when they're carried in amounts. You got this amount of time, but you got this amount of stuff to do, it's not going to work. If you have this amount of money, but you've spent this amount of money, it's just not going to work. But when you realize, hey, this is what I was created to do. This is how God built me to function. This is the direction I'm going. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good, not disaster, to give you future and hope. The question you can ask yourself is, am I investing my time and money in my purpose? I had something else, but I changed it because it sounded ugly. Am I investing my time and my money in my purpose, or are you just flushing it? We used to laugh when I was traveling, doing music with the school, and we'd go by Taco Bell, and we would always laugh. We'd stop and loved, everybody loved to go eat Taco Bell, but the old adage, you might as well just throw it in the toilet. A lot of us do that with what God gives us. It's just we don't do it and use it in the right way. We don't put it together, and we just we waste it. Am I investing? Because when you're doing it, when you're wasting it, it increases your stress level. <coughs> Matthew 13 says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered it hidden in a field. He got excited, but what did he do? Did he just carry it around and, and he didn't own it? He couldn't do anything with it? No, the Bible says he hid it again sold everything he had so he could buy the whole field. That field was his purpose. He didn't dance around it. He went and got it all. And some of us need to really understand, what's my purpose? That's, why, that's everything we do, and we can help you with that. The second thing is, put first things first. This is a biblical principle all through the Bible. There's a principle. It's a, you can find it, and I can... I can I can get you all the verses you want. It's called the principle of the first. That's why God says, that's why, what tithing is about. We give God our first, the first 10%. You give me the first of your harvest, the first of your cattle, the first of your sheep. In other words, that God is first. We stay stressed and we're all wound up because we've got our priorities out of order. Even for this, this one for me is tough. I struggle with this because it should be God, wife, kids, work. But if we're honest, a lot of us have work, kids, wife, God, kids, wife, God, something else, and our priorities are out of order. And when you live the principle that God is first, what do you do first? God is first. What do we think about first? God is first. I wish I could say I'm an early morning prayer kind of guy, and I'm just not. But I still do get up in the morning and go, okay, God, what are we going to do today? Because I have to keep my priorities in order that I give him first. For me, I do it that God gets the first and I actually say good morning to him. And it's the last thing I do before I go to bed is, is read my Bible. 
Psalm says this, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and to spend them as they should. Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God above everything else. Live right, follow the principles, and he's going to do what? Give you everything that you need. And then number three, ushers, you guys can do your thing. And that's this, that I keep my, my heart and my hope set on heaven. How does this reduce my stress? Because some of us have way wrong expectations of what God promised on the earth. Yes, he said he would bless us. Yes, he said he would protect us. Yes, he said he would watch over our kids. But what we have on earth is not even, even a glint of an indication of what the Bible says we have in heaven. You need to lower your airs. It's an American gospel. Again, that everything's going to be Skittles, rain, Skittles, M&Ms, candy, but everything's sweet and easy. You just got to get saved. And it's just not that way. Lower your expectations. The idea for Americans that we're owed, God, I received Jesus, now you owe me. No, he didn't owe you a thing and gave you Jesus anyway. What he said is through Jesus, you're going to be able to come spend eternity with me. That with kids in places like Honduras, with nothing, the happiest people you ever see, because they've learned that their hope is in God. Look what 2 Corinthians says. It says that this is why we never give up. That our bodies are dying. See, another uplifting message for you. You're 49 next week. It's not going the other way. I wish I could tell you it goes backwards, but it doesn't. I wish I could tell you things get easier, but it probably doesn't. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. The spirit of God in you, the real me, the real Clint inside of me, the Bible says, is new every morning, new every morning. This is getting old and creaky and hard to get up in the mornings. This is jumping up ready to go every morning. Why? Because the Bible says I'm renewed every morning. Verse 17, for our present troubles are small. This is Paul writing now. The guy who was stoned, beaten, left for dead many, many times. Our present troubles are small and won't last long. Yet they produce to us a glory that outweighs them and will last forever. What is he talking about? He's talking about eternity. In this last verse, in verse end of verse 18, the second half of the verse, it says, so we don't look at all these troubles that we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. I'm not worried about this stuff in front of me, the nasty now and now. I'm worried about my final forever with the Father. And he says, for the things we see now soon and will be gone, but the things we can't see, God, I get to be with you forever. Some of us need to get our lives back in balance. Even as I'm talking, probably some of you are thinking, yeah, this is, out of, this is too much, you know. If, if you've got to think about your week and think, when was I home and when was I not at work, I get it. We have to work overtime. Things happen. If you can't segment the last time, hey, this is when I actually talked to my wife because I haven't been, maybe things are out of order. Maybe we need to fix them. Why don't you stand with me if you would?
And that's my prayer for you. But for a lot of you, the stress can't begin to quit because you need to know the one who came for you. The Bible says that when you give him your life, he didn't say everything to be perfect, but he says, I'm going to give you the grace and the mercy to walk it, to deal with it, to go through the hard times, to go through the mess, to go through the, the aggravation. He said, my grace is more than sufficient for your mess. So some of you may need to think, God, I need to meet Jesus for the first time. Maybe I need to come back. And the Bible is very clear. That's easy. That you receive him by confessing him with your mouth, believing in your heart that he came and did everything he would do, said he would do for you. And then he went to heaven wait, to wait on us until he could come back to get us. Bible says, if you just believe it, a short little prayer like that to God and your eternity is secure and now you can begin to focus on heaven and not on the mess that's around us. And living by the principles gets us there. Living by the principles gets us in balance, gets us in order so that we can appreciate the, the blessings that aren't buried in all the problems that we create. What I want to do this morning is I wanna, I'm going to bless you. Because I truly believe that the stress of life and the stress we put on ourselves is distracting us. Like that verse said, they wander away from God. And there are a lot of us, if you're not careful, I don't know who this is for, but I know this was for me this week. If this means something to you, then grab hold. If you're not careful, you're going to wander away from the faith. And you're going to find yourself, how did I get here? And you're going to look back and say, well, I remember when I got my life out of balance and nobody helped me get it right or I didn't get it right. Here's your chance. Because I think we all can use a little more balance in our lives. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to pray in just a minute. But let me tell you this. We've changed up things how we do at the end a little bit. Over to my right, um, we'll have people over here to pray with you. And when we do, you can go during the last song. This last song, you can go ahead and go. You don't have to wait till service is over. Because we know you want to go and get kids and you don't want to make people wait. So this frees you up to go and have somebody pray with you. Have somebody agree with you that you can walk through the, the stress of life that God will help you and give you that grace and mercy and we serve a God who will act amen we serve a God who's still active in bringing us peace and grace and mercy and God we thank you for it. let's pray God I thank you in Jesus name for all my my family father God in front of me and those watching online that God we, we repent we're sorry our lives God they're out of balance but God, right now, we just ask you for wisdom. We ask you for grace. I ask you for divine direction to help us get our lives back in balance. That we keep you, God, in that first chair. And our families and wives and everything that goes beyond that, Father God. You give us guidance and wisdom, but God, you're first. Serve you first. To give you our best. To listen to you first. God, we thank you for being so good to us. I bless everybody with this in the sound of my voice to receive your Holy Spirit, to receive the guidance. God, that we serve you and you alone. And God, we thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.